0: Welcome to this week's episode of The Elastic Brand. This week's guest is Andy Clark, and he really needs no introduction. That's alright, a little I'm bit sorry? of a yeah. lag. But.
1: To be honest, the, doing the clap was the best bit about my podcast. <laughs> yeah. It was all downhill from there.
0: <laughs> it's probably going to be the best bit about mine as well. Could
1: it be very interesting talking about something that's not... Weeing in hotel kettles and uh, and brioche buns.
0: Well, be, feel free to talk about those things, I'm can sure. It's, it's We're not very PC on this show. You can talk about what you like, as long as it relates to branding. <laughs>
1: well, I suppose you could consider peeing in hotel kettles...
0: That's your own aspect, personal brand. That's aspect of my personal brand. And, and it's Excepting. not like
1: I do. I don't go out there and do the peeing in hotel kettles. The point is that I take a travel kettle with me because... You never know what other people have done in the kettle.
0: Oh, that's See? a really... Oh, yeah, God, Christ, that's a really good point. Oh, no. I'm not a massive hotel fan, I've got to be honest. Full do you stop.
1: Uh, do you not like a premier inn?
0: No, I don't like... I don't Even really gorgeous hotels, I just... I'm not really... I don't know. I don't know, I prefer an apartment if I'm staying somewhere for any period of time.
1: Well, you definitely need a, tra- a travel kettle then, don't you? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I'm assuming that this is going out after the intro music, which I thought was very Scar-like.
0: Yeah. I yeah. like I'm it. I got into my Scar. I like it. I've really got into... I've, do you know I've really got into a bit of punk, a bit of Scar. I really like the Slits. Got really mm. into the Slits. Have you have you fan of yes. the Slits? Yes. Yes. Absolutely amazing, aren't they?
1: Well... It's brilliant to kind of go back to that stuff because I was just saying this to, you know, my son, Alex. Have you met Alex? I can't remember. No, I haven't
0: met Alex. Anyway,
1: I talk about my son, Alex, all the time. And uh, we were having this conversation because he likes ska. And we're having this conversation about the specials and Selector and, you know, all those ska bands from like the late 70s. Yeah. And how it was basically, you know, a reaction to general you know, social upheaval and economic catastrophe and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely, yeah. And, uh, you know, how Coventry, where the specials came from, and, you know, all those places up in the north um, north? were basically up Shit Creek because of the Tories. And here we are again. So I'm expecting a (laughs) scar revival.
0: Well, you can hope. I mean, I think it will probably be some kind of ghastly, you know, X Factor (laughs) is all we're going to get these days, but... You can live in hope,
1: can't you? It could be, who um, who. is, who, oh, dear, I'm trying to think who it was. Now. I've never heard of him before. Never heard of him at all. Um, the bloke that did the Super Bowl yesterday, Maroon 5, Adam oh, Levine. Oh, God. Never heard of him.
0: Never heard of him. Do you know him. what? I have got a pathological hatred of Adam Levine, and I don't know why. I really can't, I'm, I've analysed why I hate him so much. And hate's a very strong word. I really loathe him. Um, and I don't know why. It's very weird. He just reeks of white privilege, I think, but... Well, I've never
1: heard of him up until yesterday, so no big loss, really.
0: You can't hate him, then. Not yet.
1: not yet. But anyway, this is what a fascinating podcast this is. Bands that Liz hates.
0: (laughs) People, people. (laughs) People that Liz hates. Um, Anyway, hello. (laughs) Welcome to the Elastic brand. (laughs) Do you know, I normally say welcome to the freelance web um, and get the wrong podcast. That's how professional I am. But um, welcome to the elastic brand.
1: Thank you, darling. I don't think that people are going to expect this to be a professional podcast. Well, not from you, not from my side, anyway. Thanks um, a lot,
0: mate. No, a I bit mean rude.
1: <laughs> what, a, what a way to get the host offside! Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, I didn't mean it that way. I mean, you know, just generally ramble about stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. I do tend to ramble quite a lot. I try and be professional, but no, I'm
1: glad you're back. Oh thanks I missed your dulcet tones on the airwaves <laughs>
0: So annoying, I think I've got the most annoying voice I bet there's people out there who are like, I just cannot bear it I turn it off after about five minutes It's kind of a mixture of Hermione Granger and, I don't know, the Queen <laughs> um, Anyway, we digress already We've not even started talking about what we're here for And you need to introduce yourself as well For the one person who probably hasn't, you know, come across you before Who listens to the podcast
1: Oh, do I have, oh I don't have to do like a formal kind of, oh, I suppose I could. I'm Andy Clark and you might know me from such uh, CSS articles as CSS Specificity Wars and Sounds the like good read. infamous, <laughs> no, the infamous contract killer, open source contract, oh, yeah. which has got me into more trouble than it probably should. I
0: has. bloody love that, that shouldn't get you in trouble, that's.
1: Well, I don't know. Well, you probably didn't read my blog, but not too long ago, I actually published a wee story about how it had got me into trouble because I started to receive um, letters from people actually asking me to kill others.
0: Oh, oh, I see. Yes, I can see how if you googled.
1: Yes, if you Google "contract killer," you get me, which is uh, you know (laughs) it's going to be great for my digital legacy.
0: Well, you know, if you fall on hard times, there's always a sideline there, isn't there?
1: I don't think I'd be very good at it. Really? No, I'm not merciless enough.
0: Uh, too, I couldn't too merciful. At, <laughs> I couldn't look at
1: somebody in the eye and... Just
0: don't look them in the eye. Put sunglasses on them. <laughs>
1: Put a bag over their head. No, we, we're onto dodgy territory, but yes, I'm a uh, art director and a designer and I write books about the web and design and art direction and um, I've been doing it for a very long time, so that's my introduction.
0: I don't think you really need one, to be honest. I think everyone probably knows who you are if they've come across you at some point or another. See, that but just it's... makes
1: me feel very old.
0: No, it shouldn't. It should make you feel infamous
1: <laughs> oh okay infamous i can handle
0: <laughs> infamous yeah um well it's lovely to have you here thank you very much for joining me on this bloody freezing afternoon quite frankly we're going to talk about branding
1: i know this is the subject of this new podcast of yours
0: it is i know which it's i've been tuning into
1: religiously over the last really? three weeks yeah I'm sure yeah i listen can to you- every single episode Oh, thank you.
0: Even the one where I answer listeners' questions.
1: Um, I think I did listen to most of that one, (laughs) if I'm being honest.
0: (laughs) To the first five seconds and go, who is this crazy woman? I'm turning this off. That was was cringe. You know when you're really tired and you're like, well, I've got to put an episode out this week and I haven't got time to do a guest interview, so I'm just going to do this. Um, It's not been my most popular one, but... You know, there's always time.
1: Well, I'm glad you're doing this because not only is it lovely to hear your voice, but I just think that we often get, you know, people that work on the web often get really kind of hung up or focused on particular aspects of doing the job. You know, Mm. and it might be usability and, um, you know, performance or bloody research or Mm. something, whatever it might be anyway. And all of those things are, you know, really valuable. But if you just focus on those things, things are boring. Mm. Things just look boring and they're dull and they don't connect with an audience. And, you know, I'm coming at it from a slightly different angle to you because I'm thinking about how can we, you know, create art-directed experiences that kind of, you know, communicate better with Mm -hmm. customers. Um, And you're coming at it from the point of view of like, well, how does a brand affect all this experience? And you know, I think it's great. I think we've got to have these conversations in amongst everything technical. You know, we just don't, God, if I ever hear another CSS in JavaScript conversation, I'm going to kind of, you know, vote Tory. Um,
0: (laughs) I I think you're right. And I'm not sure there's enough discussions around brands in depth. I think also there's not a lot of clarity around what branding is for a start. Some people think it's, you know, a nice logo and other people think it's A nice logo and some stationery and maybe a nice looking website but it it's this it's so multifaceted I think and so it's great to be able to kind of explore all areas of it and you know even like the conversation I had with Laura last week uh on on this week's episode about how everything works how you know your funding behind your company you know absolutely everything goes towards your your brand and um so, yeah, I think it's a really in-depth conversation.
1: Well, it's so important because at the end of the day, if something doesn't resonate with people, then they're not going to want to use it, no matter how easy it is to use. There can be one bloody button on a page mm. and or in an app. But if somebody doesn't feel as if they're connected to a brand or they don't feel affinity with it, then, you know, that's that's a big part of both somebody's kind of, you know, buying decision um, or downloading decision, and, you know, how, whether they stick around or not. And, you know, all of that is to do with branding. It's to do with, um, you know, if you're thinking about product, for example, it's it's to do with how you talk to your audience or your users. It's the tone of voice. It's the general personality, which, of course, comes from, comes from branding. Yeah. Um, And we can all pull stuff off the shelf, you know, we can all kind of, you know, use a framework or, you know, make everything look like bootstrap or material design or whatever and have a very sort of, you know, sensible looking app or product or website. But is that actually really talking to the audience? You know, is it communicating the message that you want to get over about why somebody should you know, use your photo sharing service or your banking application or whatever it might be instead of somebody else's.
0: Absolutely. And I think no matter how boring the subject matter is, you can make it interesting, can't you? With, you know, the right branding and right design, right content, tone of voice, storytelling, you can make it interesting for the the customers who it's it's meant to be targeting. Um, Most of your work, is it web design? based do you do any branding projects that are off you know like full branding projects or are, is it mainly feeding brands through websites
1: I'm always thinking about branding aspects when I'm putting designs together yeah and it doesn't really matter to me whether or not it's a you know a, a product for want of a better word um, or a website which is promoting or selling a product I'm still thinking about how do these typefaces reflect what I'm trying to say Um, how does what does the color palette suggest to people as well as how can it be you know usable and I'm thinking about layout and how you know what kind of layout tells the, the, the branding story through the organization of or the elements on a page or in a product. So, yes. you know, does the, does the layout reflect um, something which is very kind of upright and, um, and professional, hmm. but quite staid? Or do we use, you know, modular grids and asymmetric layouts and that kind of thing to, you know, give a design energy? Yeah. And to me, all of those things are, you know, are reflecting of the brand right the way down to, you know, what does the form labels or the micro copy say all of that tone of voice stuff is still branding. And I think about all of that. Uh, I'm not a graphic designer, so I don't sit there, you know, I wouldn't be the guy that you would come to and say, come up with 20 logo concepts. Yeah. Um, and I certainly wouldn't be the guy that come, you know, that you go to and say, right, you know, we need to do a bunch of audience research and find out what our brand means to whoever. Yes. You know, there are branding agencies out there that, you know, sweat over this kind of stuff. And I've worked with a bunch. Um, and you know, I don't do that. No. But I do think about branding in, you know, as I'm designing, in the same way that I think about accessibility or performance, even though, you know, I don't really, you know, I'm not a performance or an accessibility guy either.
0: So you could almost be, um, I I could almost use my favourite term that nobody knows what it means, digital branding for the type of work you do. So you're very much focusing on the the kind of way your brand's going to be reflected through the kind of, as you say, the layout, the content, the usability, all the kind of digital aspects of it. Is that fair to say? Well, yeah. I'm, I mean, that comes shoehorning that in because I well, want to use that little.
1: I know it's. And I know you're trying to make fetch happen, um, <laughs> but <sighs> uh, I love that film. But I think that. You know, I don't know whether it's a, whether it is limited to digital because it's just about how... Don't say that. (laughs) It's just about how I think people talk to their audience. Yes. How they communicate a message, um, what that conversation is like, you know, the tone of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And... All of those things, whether it would be, you know, we, we, you know, just yeah. thinking about my pathetic brand, you know, my 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 brand is: do I do a good job for a customer? Do they say yeah. nice things? Um, it's the fact that I write all my email. I end all my emails with love, mm-hmm. love Andy. Yeah, you know, just because I've always done it, and it's kind yeah. of like a, you know, it's it's it's. It kind of it often disarms people I've got Mm -hmm. work because of it and all of those little things you know I'm thinking about those little things all the time and that's that to me is is what branding is all Mm. about
0: yeah yes you're right so working when you begin working with a client um what's your process behind kind of the discovery stage um you say you don't do kind of all the you know brand research and and stuff but you obviously I guess, work pretty closely with them before you even get to the kind of designing stage.
1: Yeah. I mean, if we, if we take, you know, the, the client that I'm working with kind of majorly at the moment, I'm doing two weeks every month, so pretty much half my time for a company out in uh, southern Switzerland. Yeah. And they're a product company. They're in the cybersecurity space, which it could be a really boring project. You know, at the end of the day, it's cyber security. Um, and, you know, a lot of their competitors, um, you know, that their their sites are designed by people that, you know, they look like they've been designed by people that really, really enjoy configuring a router. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that there's a huge opportunity with this particular client to A, produce a, a product which has... Um, a really great experience but not just for the experience's sake it needs to communicate the experience and the brand values and what the company's trying to say right yeah now they've already got an existing brand guidelines if you mm-hmm. you know if you consider a PDF with you know logo usages yeah. and color and type as a sort of a brand guideline so what I want to do is I want to figure out at the beginning of that as I did you know what assets do we already have Mm -hmm. what has gone into producing those assets. So I talk to people about, you know, how did you arrive at that decision? What was that particular decision based on? Yeah. And then I'm really looking at, um, you know, who's your audience? Mm -hmm. And and what are those audience, what is that audience? um, What is your relationship with people in that audience demographic? So, Mm -hmm. you know, what relationship do you want to have with a chief technical officer? Yes, yeah. versus what relationship do you want to have with a security specialist who's getting you know deep into checking network nodes? Mm-hmm. And there are two different relationships and two different kind of tones of voice. Um, but at the same time, what you want to be doing is you want people to have a perception of the brand and of the mm-hmm. company. and You want people to be able to say, you know, I trust these guys. They provide accurate information. They seem to understand what I need from their product. And they provide me, you know, with smart summaries of information Mm -hmm. or, you know, an intelligent kind of set of defaults so I don't have to go digging every time. Yes. And all of that is, you know, you could say, well, that's UX or, you know, it's product design. Um, But actually, what I'm thinking of is, well, how is this person feeling? Yeah. What is this person thinking about the product or the the website or the email that they receive or whatever um, when they get it? You Mm -hmm. know, are they thinking, yeah, I'm feeling good about working with this company or, you know, hopefully that's what they are thinking. Um, And that's really what my process starts off is like what conversation do we wanna be having with mm. a, with a customer? What do we want them to think about us? Yeah.
0: yeah. How do they how are they gonna feel? Yeah.
1: And, you know, I know that a lot of people will start off by saying, you know, right, you know, at the beginning of the design project you've got to, you know, you've got to put yourself in the in the the shoes of the user. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all got to be about what they want. But mm-hmm. No, it isn't really. Not all the time, you know. You've also got to be thinking about what do we want people to be feeling about us? Mm. Yeah. You know, how do we want to be perceived? And, you know, what do we want people to be saying about us behind our back, essentially, you know? Yes. Yeah. And, and that, to me, is the starting point for any kind of design project. Everything else is, is, happens downstream, Mm-hmm. But you can't do anything. you can't decide on you know any aspect of design unless you've unless you actually figure out what you're trying to you know what conversation you're trying to have
0: and you have those conversations with the client. you talk through those ideas with the client obviously to get information from them and how do they do they find that quite challenging at times to kind of Dig that deep into understanding their their customers.
1: Yeah, well, sometimes you know, it's people are different, and sometimes they really kind of get into the the process, and other times they think they're probably too busy. And yeah, you know, and I've got to be honest, sometimes it's a bit of intuition, you know.
0: Mm. Oh yeah, definitely.
1: You yeah. can't always rely on the fact that people who are gonna have you know invested in research. Mm. You know, or will invest, or even consider it important. I think Um, you can
0: over. I really do feel you can over research as well. I do think that some of the best brands out there that are doing well at the moment have been done on gut instinct.
1: Yeah, and I think gut instinct is often overrated, particularly recently. And I, I reckon, and I know people will disagree, and I know that you know I'll get hate mail, but I actually just think that we've sort of reached a really, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe we've gone past it now, hopefully, but we kind of reached the stage on the web and in product design, if you want to call it that, where everybody was just terrified of taking a risk mm-hmm. of getting it wrong. Um, and in the end, what we did was we, you know, delegated design decisions to, you know, user testing or focus groups mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just got to say, I've got a point to make. You know, I've got something to say, and I'm going to say Mm. it. And if people don't like it, well, they won't buy it. I
0: need to take the lead on this. That kind of thing. You know, I I know what I'm trying to do. I need to take the lead and move this forward.
1: Yeah, I remember there was an interview with Steve Jobs, and I know everybody quotes Steve Jobs, but I think it was like an All Things D interview that he did a few years ago, where they were talking about, I think it was Flash on iPhones, and, you know, why wasn't Flash on an iPhone. Mm -hmm. And Steve said you know, we make decisions, you know, we decide Mm. on on what we think is the best thing for the product. And if people like it, they buy it. And if they don't, they don't. And, you know, if they'd have researched, if they'd have asked, you know, a thousand people, do you want flash Mm. on an iPhone? 999 would have gone yes. But we all know how that would have turned out. So, you know, I just think that you've got to, you know, you've got to have some balls. I
0: think it's good to find out what your clients or your clients maybe your clients customers you know driving forces what they really want you know out of this this transactional relationship but I think as you say from then on it's um so for instance I'm working on like a skincare range at the moment a brand new skincare range at the moment and um it's we it's a long-term project we're kind of launching the brand over a, about a year really and um we did user research had to do obviously a lot of user testing with the, the range and stuff and we got a lot of feedback and we asked a few questions around um you know kind of bits of work i'd done on the brand already and and, and every single person you know came back with a slightly different view or well, no view because they're not really remotely interested um in what the you know logo looks like at the moment um and i I think we both agreed that, you know, actually, we need to take the as in the client and I, you know, we need to use our gut instincts, this kind of thing, we could take a million different women's point of view on this. But, you know, we know we know what she's trying to get across and what and it's a new brand it's a new USP that she's got. So yeah, it's about taking taking you having some balls, isn't it? And just moving forward with knowing that you know, what's right for this.
1: And sometimes you'll get it wrong, and you know. God, I hope not. After
0: all this work.
1: Well, I know, but <sighs> and yeah, not with your own money. Although you know, I, it's. I just, I just think that you know, you, you sort of say you're making it up as you go along, but a lot of it is is to do with experience. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and understanding people's general psychology, and you don't have to be a psychologist to, you know, have a, a general understanding as to how people work.
0: Mm-hmm yeah I think as well I mean I often work with clients and I'm really honest about this who'll be like "Um, I want to get this aspect of myself across I want to you know focus on this about me and I'm always forever saying your clients your customers aren't really interested in you they're interested in what you can do for them and what the outcome of this will be Um, so I think that's always something I try and and instill into see it's not
1: I, I might disagree with you on that though
0: I knew you would. Go on. Go on. You're what gonna you tempt me now.
1: That? Well no, I think that I think that whether it's an individual or whether it's a company, people like to have an affinity with a brand. Now, you know, at a at a micro level, you know, with my small two person company, you know, you read my copy and it's all about me. Mm. And, of course, there's some stuff about what I can do. But it's kind of, you know, you either you either buy this approach or you don't. Mm. And I think that that's the same with, you know, with with lots of different brands. You know, you need to feel an affinity with them. I've just bought a car. I'm picking up a new car on Saturday. Most expensive thing apart from a house I've ever bought. <laughs> um, scary, isn't it? And I've bought a Subaru. Mm. I know. Which... Mm. I, there was a lot of them in Australia when I was living mm-hmm. there. And there's not so many of them here. They only sell apparently 4,000 cars a year, which is bugger all. Tiny. I know. And I looked at a load of other cars, you know, and I looked at, you know, I didn't, I didn't want a Merc and I didn't want a Mercedes and I didn't want, you know, I didn't want to have a huge balloon payment at the end and buy a Jag mm-hmm. or anything like that. You know, I wanted a sensible car. And, you know, I could have bought a Ford or I could have bought a Vauxhall or I could have bought a Nissan or a Peugeot. But, do you know, there's something about the Subaru brand Mm. that I actually really kind of relate to in a way. And it's, you know, it's not the most highly specced vehicle and, you know, and it's, you know, it's not got all the toys. But there's something about that brand which I feel kind of represents, you know, me. It connects to me.
0: Because of the feelings that maybe you had in Australia, you know, maybe... It has happy memories for you. Could Um, it be that?
1: Not necessarily, no. I mean, I think that, you know, there are some practical reasons for for buying Mm. a Subaru because, you know, I live in the back of beyond and, you know, it snows. So you need Mm. to be able to get in and out.
0: Yeah.
1: But there was just something about the the fact that, you know, it comes across as a very well-engineered car. Yeah. You know, and there's lots of kind of little little tiny touches of design that i just kind of i really like that i really like the way that the dash is laid out you know i really like this kind of thing but from a from a branding point of view um you know i I sort of have an affinity with the subaru brand which has got absolutely bugger all to do with the subaru advertising by the way because if you ever see an ad for subaru on the tv it's all about, you know, old man safety. You know, it's the safest. I don't think
0: I've ever even seen one. Well, I've the... ever even seen an advert
1: for it. I did a I did saw one fairly recently and it was a a kid talking to his dad who just bought a Subaru and it was like, mm. "Oh god. You haven't bought a Subaru have you, dad?" And, you know, I'm going to die of <laughs> embarrassment and the, the dad's going, "Yes, well, it's the safest car on the road and it beats Volvo <laughs> by and it's like it's not to do with the advertising. There's oh, just well. something, right? And so I do think that you have to – sometimes it is about you, you know. Sometimes it is about um, – now, it's not about the managing director of, of of Subaru. I don't care what he thinks when I buy a car. Yeah. But if you're talking about, you know, a personal brand or a small business or whatever it happens to be, then I do think that that can often be really important.
0: I do. Yeah, I agree with you, and particularly with personal brands um, – you know, that's what makes a lot of the influences on Instagram and stuff successful because they've got their own tone of voice. And I agree to an extent, but I think like if you're foregoing functionality or what the client wants to get to say on a site, so say a client's going on there to buy a product, but you're putting your self above that, then I think I I don't think that's right.
1: I well, who said that you, said that you do that? Why would you do that?
0: Well, I just... Because <laughs> I've been asked to do that by a client recently. <laughs> um, so that's why I'm using... so That's a terrible example. Probably nobody ever asked designers to do that normally. But no, I just had a client saying, can we move... And she was great about it. She said, can we move the video of me up further above sort of where I'd buy the, the product? Why my, my customers will go on and buy the product? And I said no you can't because you know the first time they go to the site they'll probably watch this video about you but the 13th time they go to buy your products they don't want to have to scroll past the video of you again um so I think yeah I guess that's where I'm coming from well specific.
1: this person was obviously very proud of their video and it's a good video they, um, they, you know, they might have spent a little bit of money on it, so they want to get their money's worth. Um,
0: well, no, what she said, and she wouldn't, she won't mind me talking about this at all. But she said it's about the brand is about me. I'm the USP of it, and I said, you, well, you are completely, you are the USP of it. But that doesn't mean that you need to be, you know, that doesn't mean that your clients are going to want you front and centre constantly. No, and there and are it's your tone of voice as well as everything else. You know, it's not just videos of you it's it's the tone of voice. It's, it's also being having your products accessible on the site is also part of your brand you know not making people scroll not making them like sign up to this that and the other
1: yeah no I think that that's absolutely right and you know my response to a request like that will be look there's plenty of places around the site where we can kind of imbue the design with your personality Mm. And make people, you know, really feel that you know it's a it's a person it's a person that they're dealing with, and not just a you know a face faceless e commerce store. Um, yeah. But you know, no, you're right. They're not people aren't going to want to s- see or scroll past the same video fifteen times. You know.
0: No. So we've established I was right about that one. You're always <laughs> I'm right. joking. I'm joking. Oh God, I'm I, so obnoxious. I never um, argue with you. Thank you. Um, so you um, use some really beautiful illustrations in some of your sites and you use quite unique work ways of telling stories um, in the, the sites that you, you've done and sites you've got on your own site. Um, is that something you find really important when it comes to branding?
1: Yes, absolutely. And I really, really love to work with illustrators, Mm-hmm. and I, I, first of all, I find that working with illustration sparks a different kind of creative mm. mindset. Yes. Um, and a lot of it has to do with rectangles, weirdly, mm-hmm. um, in that, you know, you buy a stock image or there's a photo of a, of a lost cat, Yeah. and, you know, you, all of a sudden you're in web design mode and things yeah. are very rectangular Mm -hmm. whereas with illustration first of all you can you know there's a you can really communicate a style and a personality through you know your choice of illustrator and the style that they use and everything else but also because things don't necessarily need to be confined to rectangles it just it just takes you down different paths and quite often what i'll do is i'll have a a kind of a broad idea in mind as the sort of the you know the the, the reg the general shape of the layout that i'm i'm kind of working towards and i'll get something back from an illustrator and there will be i don't know let's say there'll be a lamppost on it and i'll think oh do you know what if she moves the lampposts 300 pixels to the left i could put some text between that and the buildings
0: yes yeah
1: and then you go oh and that's not the sort of thing that you know would spring to mind if you just you know went out and yeah took a photo of a lamppost and some buildings you know it's i love illustrate working with illustrations for for that and many many other reasons
0: um and you let your content kind of flow, as you say you let your content kind of flow around those don't you and it all becomes part of a story do you think storytelling is important oh
1: massively time? important yeah absolutely and, you know, there's so much of, there's so many important aspects to, you know, storytelling. And, you know, whether it might be the, the story of why somebody should, you know, use a particular product or, you know, download a particular app or whatever it might be. Mm. Or I, I really like to focus on what it means to people at the end of the day. Mm. So you know, I'm working with a with with a pet search company right now, mm-hmm. and um, they help people find lost pets. Yeah, and yes, there's a an aspect to the design which is very kind of you know UX focused. You know, you mm-hmm. need to be able to search, and you need to be able to you know hopefully find your cat. But the branding aspect to it, the thing which you know we want to we want to differentiate this brand from any of their you know competitors is what does it mean when you get your cat back Mm. and it's about you know reuniting families
0: it's deeply distressing to lose a pet
1: and that's the thing really it's it's about and this this goes to art direction it goes to branding it goes to everything else really it's you know we're not just making something which is here's a website where you can put in you know lost cat information and find Mm. a lost cat um it's not just about buying a a facebook campaign and you know a bunch of leaflets that you can put on through people's doors Mm. or posters you can put on lampposts it's not about that that's that's just a small aspect it's kind of a it's the stuff that comes with the stuff that you really do yeah. and what you really do what this company really does when you get to the bottom of it is they reunite families yes and yeah it doesn't matter everything else is just extra mm. and that's yeah. that's where the storytelling really comes in and it helps you get to the essence of what people actually do mm. you know if you ask somebody you say well you know why did you start this business you know what did, did you start this business so that you could print lots of leaflets and, and, and uh, you know, have your posters all over lampposts? And no, I don't get out of bed for that. But, you know, the reason why you do get out of bed is because, you know, you lost a cat. Yeah. And, you, you know, you, you've, you know how much it hurts and you don't want other people to be suffering in the same way and therefore you're reuniting families and that's what the main focus of the site is about. And I've changed the tagline you know of this it's not about you know finding lost pets anymore it's about Mm. you know reuniting families yeah and that's that's branding it's storytelling it's all of that stuff rolled into one
0: and I think Seth Godin talks about that as well about kind of getting to the pure essence of what you're doing so what your client really wants you know it's it as you say it's about finding a member of their family um and I think, yeah, I think that's really important to help. I think when you're branding, to to sit with your clients and chat through that, and really get to the bottom of what that is that their customers want, or what you know, what it is that scares them. Mm. In effect, um, you know, so I we said with the skincare range I'm doing, why do women want this? You know, it's not because they want to buy, as you say, they want to buy a moisturiser. There's a million moisturisers out there. It's because they have a problem that causes them, you know, upset and heartache. And they want help with that. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really important to get to that kind of real message.
1: It's a very interesting area of branding because it, a lot of it is to do with psychology and a lot of it is to do with storytelling. And sometimes sometimes I just think, when when I think about brands that I kind of relate to, I just think, you're being irrational. You know, why, why do I prefer Apple over Samsung?
0: Mm.
1: You know, why do I drive a wheel drive a Subaru over a Mercedes? Mm. Um, you know, all of these little things. You know, wh- wh- why would I spend, which I'm not going to, by the way, because Sue will kill me. But, you know, <laughs> wh- why, why do I really want to spend £11,000 on an IWC watch when <laughs> I could spend £3,000 on an Omega or 30 quid on a swatch, right? It's, there's something about the stories and something about the the story of a brand or of a company where you think, ah, there's something about that which is attractive to me, which is kind of mm. drawing me in. It's like magnetism. Mm. And I can't, you know, I know there's probably a science behind it, but sometimes it's, sometimes it's kind of irrational.
0: Mm. Yeah, and I think sometimes getting to those driving, those real drivers behind your own personal choices can actually be quite hard. Mm. There's some things you don't want to know about, isn't there? I mean, well, I bought an Audi not long ago, an Audi Q2. Ooh, get and, oh, get you! I know, I'm just so fancy. And I tried quite a few other crossovers at the time, and the reasons I chose the Audi are because the the kind of interface inside is so simple and beautiful um but also because it's 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 just nice driving an audi you know it's a nice it's like a prestigious brand and that's an uncomfortable thing to sit with isn't it no, i like i chose this but it's over right this.
1: driving it yeah. driving an audi makes you feel good about the decision that you made
0: yeah and the way that I'm portrayed which is absolutely a horrible but honest thing to say isn't it it's it's
1: totally totally correct um
0: and I think that's the same with Apple Apple for lots of people is about buying something that says I'm I'm doing well I've got enough money to go out and buy this iPhone you know it's for lots of people it's about the beautiful you know ease of use and everything else but it is also a status symbol, isn't it? And I think that they know that.
1: Well, they've been Apple's been a, a luxury brand, it's been a fashion company as much as it's been a technology company for, you know, the last ten or fifteen years or so. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, it's if if, if you want something which has got you know, is totally customizable and, you know, and open and all of the stuff that Apple isn't, then you know, you you buy a Google phone. Yeah. Um, he says his iPhone just going off. If you background. want a,
0: if you want a good camera, you buy a Google <laughs> phone.
1: <laughs> Actually, I've got the XS Max, and it has a fabulous camera. Has it? Um, but there's a there's a thing about there's a thing about um, what you choose and how it makes you feel, mm. and people love buying things, and. You know, you can feel good about making a certain choice, mm. and and you know this. I, I I don't feel good about buying Heinz over Sainsbury's baked beans, or no. you know, or Fairy over whatever washing up liquid. That's the only washing up liquid brand I know.
0: Well, they're doing something right, then, aren't mm, they?
1: Yeah, I should do more washing up. I think, but. <laughs> um But when it comes to... Because, you know, you don't feel good about buying washing powder. But you do feel good about buying, you know, buying a nice watch or buying a nice car or choosing a a computer or a phone or whatever it might be. um, Because it says something about you. So
0: you've spoken briefly about, about, I think you've touched on this already, taking quite an editorial approach to branding. Tell me more about that.
1: It's a a tricky one to kind of pin down, really, because, you know, I don't know what necessarily the difference between editorial design and content design or whatever else it might be. Mm -hmm. But I'm particularly interested in stories. Mm. And I'm interested in how we can use design to tell stories better. Mm -hmm. And actually, that... The defi- that is the definition of art direction, mm-hmm. essentially, is how can we use design to communicate the meaning in a piece of content or in a story mm-hmm. um, so that people understand it better um, or we leave them feeling a certain way. Mm-hmm. And the example that I often use is uh, there's a, an article uh, that ProPublica published a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. which is about a big drug cartel case in the US. And in my new book, available soon, um, I actually take two different approaches to this because there's one approach that's done by the Atlantic newspaper and one that's done by ProPublica. And one is very matter-of-fact from the Atlantic and the other is uses illustrations of shootouts and melting drug dealers in acid. And mm. that's all done through illustration. And mm-hmm. it... Both articles leave you feeling a very different way.
0: Mm.
1: And that's the interesting thing about design for me Mm. and about this kind of editorial approach. It's Mm -hmm. instead of just kind of coming at it from the point of view of I'm going to design my grid and I'm going to, you know, I'm Mm going to design a bunch of templates and then just pour whatever content it is into it.
0: yeah, yeah. Mm
1: When I put something out online or in the world or whatever it might be, um, how can I use design to kind of amplify the meaning of this piece of Mm -hmm. content? And it doesn't have to be about drug dealers. You know, it can be about, um, you know, the latest malware threat in a cybersecurity thing. Or it could be about um, how your skin cream makes people look younger overnight Mm -hmm. Um yeah. there's lots of different ways and and the thing that really interests me is that this is not new. We've been doing this in print and in magazines and in other media mm-hmm. for generations. And yet somehow and I think it's probably because we've been caught up in a lot of kind of technical issues online mm-hmm. that sort of stuff really hasn't been focused on. Yeah. And you know luckily now we've got some new fancy CSS tools that let us kind of technically implement more interesting looking designs. Mm-hmm. The thing to remember is why? Mm-hmm. You know, why are we trying to do something different with layout? Why are we using giant size type? You know, mm-hmm. why Why have we got one word on a page? Um, you know, in the viewport or whatever it might be, you know, there's that's what's really interesting.
0: Well, I think we've exhausted that particular subject. Have you anything else you'd like to add about your kind of thoughts around branding and the kind of work that you do?
1: No, I think people have probably heard enough from me. I'm su- I'm, su- I'm surprised <laughs> you invited me on to be honest. Su-
0: you were at top of my list.
1: Oh, darling, but you know it's um yeah, you you I I I feel like I've been banging on about this stuff for, you know, for a very long time and uh it's always nice to get the opportunity to bang a little bit more
0: yeah definitely no i think you're absolutely right and i think it's such a refreshing way of kind of looking at it because we're all pretty bored of these layouts that we've got going on now in a lot of websites and um it's nice to be able to think of it you know in a different way and rather than just having a text box here and image here and stuff it's all food for thought
1: well you know from a branding perspective which is the subject of the podcast
0: is it oh, i'd forgotten it is <laughs> <laughs> thank you for reminding just, me no, just
1: kind of steer things back on on, on thank track. you um <laughs> all of these things contribute to the brand yeah, and absolutely. all yeah. of the other stuff that we do contributes to the brand too, you know, performance and accessibility and mm-hmm. copywriting and all this other kind of stuff. Um, so, in fact, it is the branding aspect which is one of the most important. You know, all the other mm-hmm. stuff to me is just nuts and bolts.
0: I think you're right, and I think that's partly why I started this podcast. I mean, obviously, because I like the sound of my own voice, but also because I feel that there's this huge disconnect between branding and then all the other like people talk about ux ui and all that's all part of branding but people seem to view branding off on its own doing something else
1: okay um, do, do, do you want okay, can i get really controversial yeah i'm gonna get shot you're gonna piss me off no i'm not gonna piss you off because i think you <laughs> oh, might okay. agree with me but i think that oh, okay, there's lots good. of other people <laughs> that will that will be pissed off about this
0: okay go for it right I love it.
1: okay when i was growing up right. And I was going to art school and I was learning all of the stuff that kind of I use today, although not all of it I learned there. You know, there was a there was a kind of a there was an art or design culture, which Mm -hmm. I still feel connected to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's why I love to look at old art directors and, you know, go to art galleries. and Yeah. I, you know, to me, it's as much about the, you know, the visual and the self-expression and the expressing a client's point of view or whatever mm-hmm. as it is about anything else. Yeah. The thing we've got online right now is that the majority of people, you know, because I'm old, you know, I'm 53, so I've been around a bit. Um, but the majority of people that are, that are designing sites and designing products and whatever, they're a hell of a lot younger. They don't have mm-hmm. that kind of background. So what is happening online is that people are very, very easily falling into patterns, right? Mm-hmm. And I do worry that, you know, we are so focused on, you know, the web and on digital that without remembering that there's all this other stuff. And But who's mm-hmm. teaching it? You know, I, I I do the occasional kind of lecture at universities around the place, you know, web courses mm-hmm. and design courses yeah. and whatever. And nobody talks about that. You know, people talk about UX and performance and, you know, frameworks and and all this kind of stuff. But nobody's talking about branding. Mm-hmm.
0: And and, and where really is,
1: where are those where is that crossover? You know, maybe there maybe there are courses out there, you know, branding or advertising or marketing courses or whatever it might be, but you mm-hmm. know, where is that crossover? And I just think that you know, we're kind of putting really important decisions in, you know, about brand and about how the brand's presented and everything else, in the hands of people that, you know, possibly aren't, dare I say, qualified to make those decisions. Mm. Anyway, yeah. that's my rant. I think you're
0: actually, and that's basically why I started the podcast because I just feel this huge disconnect. I think there's like this party over here, this party over there, and there's no.
1: I don't want. I don't want this to sound kind of elitist. You know, oh Andy droning on about you know what it was like in his day. But I just, you know, I'd like people to know, and this is one of the reasons why I wrote the book, is I, I want people to realize that there is a wider set of considerations. And sometimes those considerations, you know, aren't taken into account. And mm-hmm. they should be. And um, you know, there's no reason why. It's it's purely a matter of you know finding out how we can make the most of art direction, or we can make the most of branding, um, or you know, brilliant copywriting, or whatever it might happen to be, inside mm-hmm. the thing that we're making.
0: Mm. Yeah, and that's from your book, you say.
1: <laughs> Available from all good bookstores. <laughs> have
0: you written a book? I did. You've not mentioned it.
1: I did. It's it's a, it's a bit late. It should have come out last year, but um, but it was propping up my monitor.
0: Wow, probably be propping up a lot of other people's monitors when <laughs> it comes out. <laughs>
1: That's what happens when you write books. They're they're kind of like you know they end they end up put you know leveling chairs.
0: <laughs> it's worth all the hard work.
1: That's me. why I always write thicker books because <laughs> I know that people can't level up a table with them.
0: They um, they can sit their IMAX on them though, can't they? They can, yeah sorry <laughs> um <laughs> no i'm sure it'll be good and what's the book called, it's called art direction for the web ah i see and it's available from all good bookshops
1: no not yet it isn't we're just soon. finishing it off soon when you finish soon it? i hope before, oh, brilliant. I, b- before i get sent to an old people's home
0: <laughs> um well thank you so much for coming on and chatting um it's always a pleasure have you i warned you before the show but have you any recommendations
1: um, yes, what kind of recommendations would you like?
0: Well, whatever you like. I mean, people have done, people, you know, on the many shows that I've done, they've done web, st- they've done industry stuff, they've done non-industry stuff. I mean, John Hicks said, watch this programme on Netflix. So, you know, whatever you like,
1: whatever Ooh. you want. Ooh. Well, I would like people to hop onto Amazon or go to a bookshop and buy a book called Alexei Brodovich. Mhm. And Brodovich right. Brodovich. Tell me more. Okay, so Brodovich was he was a Russian emigre to uh, to America in the 1930s yeah. and he ended up being um the art director for Harper's Bazaar magazine in oh, wow. the 19 sort of 40s through to the 60s. Mm. And this particular book is the, you know, it, it's the best anthology of Brolovitch's work but one of the really really interesting things in this book is not just um, you know fabulous you know layouts and spreads for Harper's but also what really really gets me going is because I should get out more is um, his sketches and one of the things Mm -hmm. that he was really famous for was the way in which he combined images and typed together And just the way that he would kind of use paste-ups to kind of, you know, get his layouts right before he committed to, you know, to print. Um, Fabulous. And, you know, we can learn so much um, about making really fabulous, distinctive, engaging-looking web designs through some old Russian bloke from the 1940s.
0: Yeah. Brilliant. It's a very good recommendation. Thank you.
1: I will send you a link to put in the show notes.
0: Oh, thank you. God, you're professional. Yeah. Thank you. Um, well, I think, that's, I think that's all we've got time for this week. We could ramble on for hours. But um, that was great. Thank you very much. And it's great to have a kind of slightly different viewpoint on uh, branding. So thank you.
1: No, my pleasure. <laughs>
0: thanks so much for listening to andy and i waffle on on this week's show i hope you enjoyed it if you have any questions at all relating to the show this week or any other past shows you can contact me on twitter at liz underscore e or at elasticbrandpod, or you can fill in the contact form on the website which is theelasticbrand.com about next week with a new guest and uh, look forward to chatting to you then bye